We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. Coming at you Friday night after the Wolves beat the Oklahoma City Thunder on the road by 37 points. Final score was Wolves 138, Thunder 101. Somehow the Wolves scored 138 points in this game and no one on the team scored more than 20 points. It was even across the board. Malik Beasley had 15 points on five made threes. Jade McDaniels had 16 points. Three more made threes for him as well. 17 points for D'Angelo Russell, who also had seven assists and three steals. 18 points for Torian Prince, who was a plus 21 on the night. 20 points for Carl Anthony Towns, who only had to play 25 minutes in the blowout to get his 20 points. And then Nas Reed also had 20 points uh, on the night. He was a perfect eight of eight from the field, including two made threes. That is a pretty professional Performance for a team that was without Anthony Edwards again tonight for the second straight game. If the Wolves had a pretty professional performance on the other side of the ball, it wasn't it wasn't exactly a professional opponent. Uh, the Thunder played without eight players tonight. No Derek Favors, no Josh Giddy, no Aaron Wiggins, no Kendrick Kenrich Williams, no Ty Jerome, no Lou Dort, no Mike Muscala, and no Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Those guys may seem a little random to you, but those eight players have started a combined 186 games this season for the Thunder. So I don't know if the Thunder are ever at really full strength, full strength, but this was certainly not the full strength version uh, of OKC. And my point of bringing that up is less so to take away from the Wolves uh, performance tonight and more, it's more just the kind of the question I have for this next uh, week or so that the Wolves have, where they, they do play, you know, five easier teams and it's just a question of whether or not the wolves are going to consistently be able to punish these types of tanking or semi-tanking teams because they're just going to see a lot of them the rest of the way again certainly these next four games and then the next four are against a similar caliber of talent as tonight the next two are at home against portland who is an absolute shell of themselves like look at a portland box score recently you will not know all the players who are playing for them. And then they get OKC again after those two Portland games. And then it's to Orlando for the magic on Friday. So that's about, it's about as easy 
of a spread as you can get. And, you know, that's a that's a good thing, but it's also kind of the plight of a playoff team, right? Like at the end of the season, you get matchups like this where dominating is almost the expectation and it doesn't leave doesn't leave much margin or any margin to kind of exceed expectations where on the other side of the spectrum, a loss to a, a team of this caliber can, you know, it can kind of, it can sting. But I do really feel like there's been a maturation process for this Wolves team over the past, you know, two months or so. It seems to me that this group is just far more suited to take care of business now than they would have, say, back in November. There was... There was a real vibe with this team of playing up to the competition or down to the competition at the beginning of the season. And again, I think it's maturity. I think there's just something a little bit more professional about this team now who doesn't just envision themselves as a playoff team, but sees themselves as that caliber of team in the standings. And obviously the top, the pecking order, the cats and the delos for this team have inspired a lot of this you know, pro- professional mature step that I think the team has taken, but I think I think there's something very professional about this Wolves bench these days. I mean, it's not a very veteran bench group. Jaden McDaniels is 21, Nas Reed and Jalen Noel are 22, Jordan McLaughlin and Malik Beasley are 25, and then Torian Prince is the elder statesman of the group at 27. But if you watch them play and they play, you know, four or five of them are often out there together at a time. They they play like a veteran group in that they know what gets them going and they try and empower those things. And they also know what stalls them out and they know how to avoid those things. Here's Chris Finch on the bench after tonight's game. The, the, the bench tonight, uh, you know, we keep harping on it. But, yeah. Uh, the effort that they, that they gave you tonight. Uh, how in sync is this unit now? And, and, you know, is this what you envisioned when you said you thought this team had good depth? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if I envisioned them playing this well, you know. Um, and every night it seems to be like a different guy who kind of like is really driving that unit. Obviously, they're all playing well, but, you know, tonight I thought Torian and uh, Nas were outstanding and in their, um, you know, everything they did was real sharp. They brought great energy, both both sides of the ball. So I want to take a brief detour here to think about the futures of the two players that Finch just mentioned there, Torian Prince and Nas Reed, uh, because those two could become free agents this summer, which is different than the other main bench guys on this team. McLaughlin, McDaniels, and Beasley, they're all under contract for next season. Uh, Nas and Torian could be free agents. Nas's is a little bit more complicated, so we'll start with Torian Prince. Uh, Prince is obviously on a $13 million expiring contract. And after the season, that means he will be an unrestricted free agent. And I think with that, the real question for the Wolves with Prince, as you know, as it pertains to his future, is what is he worth on the open market in free agency this summer? And then once you are able to answer that question, then Sasha Gupta, Sasha Gupta needs to decide if that price makes sense for this Wolves team and makes sense for their cap sheet. And it's a it's a it's about as cut and dry of a free agency project process as you can get with a single player in that the Wolves don't really have any contract leverage points with Prince. No team options, no restricted free agents with him. It's really just a question of whether or not the Wolves are willing to pay Prince's market value and whether or not Prince chooses that market value offer 
from the Wolves over a similar offer from elsewhere. The one salary cap reason that I think will keep the Wolves pretty firmly in the hunt or maybe makes them a little bit more prone to retain Prince is that the Wolves right now are for next season are are capped out in in that they are basically at the salary cap with the 11 players they have under under contract after they sign Patrick Beverly's extension. They just they don't have cap space to go out and sign other free agents with cap space this summer. Basically, for the Wolves, if they're adding to their roster externally, that will come through the draft or trading for players or by signing players just with the mid-level exception. They can only use the exception because they don't have cap space. The nice thing with Prince from the Wolves' perspective is that they have his early bird rights. So theoretically, they could add to the roster in all those ways, the draft, trades, use the MLE, and then they could bring back Prince even though they're over the cap. The bird rights would allow them to do that. The only real financial pinch that the Wolves will feel with Prince or just in general this summer is is the luxury tax line, right? Um, If we're assuming they're not going to be a tax team next season, you know, the Wolves right now, like I said, they have 11 players under contract for next season and they are 28 million below the luxury tax line. Like basically, if you're in this type of situation for any team that's at all trying to be even remotely competitive, you try and use all that money up to the tax. That's functionally the cap in, in the league these days, but it's a little bit harder to get up to the luxury tax line when you when you're in this kind of bird rights trap that the Wolves are in, where they basically their only way to add money is to retain their current players like Prince or by trading for more expensive players in a deal. And I think this makes Prince actually a pretty practical re-signing for the Wolves just from a just from a cap perspective, because they have to find a way to spend that 28 million this summer. And like we said, like the only other ways they can add salary is with the MLE. That's like 10 million. Their first round pick, if they keep it, will be like, you know, be a late first, be like 3 million. So signing Prince might make sense purely based on the notion that they are limited on how else they can spend that $15 million between there and the cat or in the tax. And, and along those lines, I think the move that makes the most sense for the Wolves related to Prince in his free agency, it's, it's kind of similar to Patrick Beverly. I think a one year extension of, of his time in Minnesota would, would make sense. I, I think it's not even, a, it's not a, a rip on Prince or any or Beverly or anyone. I think signing anyone on the Wolves who's a role player for multiple years, just, doesn't really make sense right now. You know, even signing Prince for two years puts his cap into the 2023, his cap hit from that deal into the 2023 summer. And that's kind of the real decision-making time for the Wolves when they have to make a decision on D'Angelo Russell, who expires after the 2022-23 season. In the 2023 summer, they also have to sign Anthony Edwards, presumably to a max extension. And also the the biggest one, probably, or the most up-in-the-air one, because you know, the ant extension is a you know a near lock. The the one kind of lingering could be Cat, um, who you know he's extension eligible this summer. But if he doesn't make the All NBA, that could roll over another season, and you go into twenty twenty three, and you don't even have Cat on the books. So 
I think the, the long and short of it as it pertains to Prince is that it makes sense if you can re-sign him to like a one-year deal for like seven or eight million. You know, and if Prince is willing to sign that, I, I think it, it's both a cap and roster fit for the Wolves. But I don't know if it'll make sense for Prince. He's only going to be 28 this summer. He might be looking. I would assume he's going to be looking for a multi-year deal that you know he might not be able to get in future seasons. Maybe he's looking like two years for 13 million or three years for 16 million or something like that. And I think if Prince is looking for years more than one year dollars, he, you know, he begins to make less sense for this team. But as it currently stands one way or the other, I mean, Prince makes, makes a lot of sense on this current Wolves team. And I think next season's team will be somewhat similar. He's just, Undeniably, Prince has undeniably become a critical part of this roster from a leadership standpoint. Here's here's Nas on Prince after tonight's game. Nas, when you talk about like those conversations in like the hotel rooms and whatnot, like who started that? Like who got the ball rolling on those conversations now that it seemed like they've become so common for you guys? I would say TP. I mean, he's a leader in our group, I would say. He talks, uh, lets the guys know where they need to be, when they need to be there. Uh, and then like off the court wise, he's like, you know, you guys come to my room, whatever, you chop it up and talk about basketball and all those things. Like, I would definitely say TP. Yeah, like in the past, you know, the bench units you're part of didn't always necessarily have veterans. Um, so, like, how, how much has that maybe made the game easier for everybody on the bench when you do have guys who have been around for so long? So much easier. And then, like, with, like, him and then you have, like, D-Lo, somebody from the first group. It's right. just like everything is like so much easier because they're talking. They know where you, you're supposed to be. So they're telling you to get to where you're supposed to be if you're not there already. It just makes the game so much easier for the next guy. All right. With Nas there, let's move on to his potential free agency this summer. Uh, technically, Nas is under contract for next season with a team option for $1.9 million, which is basically the minimum of great value for a legitimate backup center. But the decision to be made on Nas is whether or not to pick up that team option. And that decision requires a bit of strategy. You know, if they turn down Nas's team option, he becomes a restricted free agent this summer, which restricts his market and probably drives down what he'll be able to earn on the market because of the restricted free agency. Now, at the same time, Nas at 1.9 million is obviously a great deal that you could just opt into. But at the same time, if you can sign him to a deal similar to what Vando signed in restricted free agency this summer, like a three-year contract for like $4 million a year, like that might create a value contract that extends deeper into the future without being, with just being such a low number that it doesn't really have those same multi-year concerns that, you know, signing a more expensive or older player like Prince or Beverly multiple years into the future would have. If they do take the team option for 1-9, the downside there is Nas will become an unrestricted free agent the following summer. And after a whole nother season, he'll be another year more developed. He'll be 23 after next season. And if he has a good year next year, you know, who knows? Maybe Nas is a 7 or $8 million player in free agency. And that contract has now almost doubled in, in what it could cost you per year. The Wolves, if he's an unrestricted free agent too, like then they don't have they don't have those restricted free agency rights to be able to match. That said, I, I I do think 
the Nas free agency question is almost less so about money and this strategy and more so about whether or not Nas is just the archetype of big that this team wants. I think those of you who know this know that I'm I'm a Nas believer. I think on this team or on another team, he's a he will be a guy who gets minutes in the league for a while. But I do acknowledge that he might be a better fit on a different roster and that at the same time, a, a different type, a different archetype of backup center might be a better fit for this team. I mean, you just you don't sign Nas this summer to a multi-year deal really for any price if you don't think he's a fine answer at backup center for Cat long term. I just think the decision on Nas will ultimately be determined by what they are able to do this summer in terms of adjusting the roster, potentially, specifically, maybe trading for a power forward. I think obviously one logical path we all think about all the time is the Wolves trading for a big like Miles Turner to start next to Cat, sliding Vanderbilt to the bench. And in that scenario, you don't need a backup center like Nas. You just you just rotate Cat, Vando, and the Miles Turner type player into the uh, into being all your big minutes. But I don't think that that path is by any means a lock to play out for the Wolves. I mean, maybe they don't want to bury Jared Vanderbilt because that also kind of buries Jaden McDaniels. Like McDaniels is kind of part of this front court equation too. I mean, I, I think the Patrick Beverly spot in the starting lineup is currently earmarked, earmarked for Jaden McDaniels to take after Beverly's contract expires or he moves, you know, maybe Beverly moves into a bench role on his next deal. But Beverly's signing for $13 million next year signals to me that he's the starter next season. So maybe what happens is they don't address power forward this summer and they wait another year with McDaniels and Vando as the power forwards. And, you know, I wouldn't love that because this team clearly needs more size. But I kind of get it, too. Like, by that time, you know, Beverly will be expired. McDaniels can then start in Beverly's place. And maybe it's 2023 when you make your move for a starting big. Which is all to say, I just think Nas's future with the Timberwolves will almost be more decided by how committed they are to really making a leap next season by adding a significant individual player right away or by deciding to continue to delay that process to add an, add a big player to the roster. I think Nas's future might just be as simple as being determined by whether they go all in this summer or if they make that move the following year. And I don't even know how to speculate on whether or not they're going to go for it right now or not. We don't know who's going to be running basketball operations this summer. And we very much do not know how intense the itch is by this new ownership group to make a splash. I mean, they're for sure going to make splashes at some point. But do they have the autonomy to influence a splash this summer when they're still almost two years away from being the owners? I, I don't I don't know the answer to that. And that actually might be the biggest variable that determines the futures of both Torian Prince and Nas Reed in free agency this summer. So it's to be determined on those two, but I think it's some food for thought for us to keep in our head those contract details as we watch those two players specifically for the rest of the season. All right, let's mix in a quick break here and we'll get back to talk about a few things that are more, a little bit more specific to tonight's game. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' 37-point win over the Thunder on Friday night. Again, another game without Anthony Edwards. No Ant meant Jaden McDaniels was in the starting lineup again, and McDaniels had another really strong game. Uh, but naturally, there was uh, there was foul trouble again. So for the second straight game, we got to see more of Malik Beasley in with that starting group, or a group that was mostly starters. And... I got to say, like Beasley is a pretty attractive fit with that first group. You know, part of it is just that Beasley's shooting the crap out of the ball lately. Since February 1st, Beasley leads the league in three-point shooting. You know, 77 players have taken 60 or more threes since February 1st, and Beasley leads those 77 players in three-point percentage at 48.5%. But I do think it's been a little more than just making shots. I I like how Beasley, I like, I think Beasley's decision making has been a little bit better these past two games. And I think part of that is one, the bench playing well, but also he fits with that, with that first group too, when he's out there with them. And, you know, I, I just personally have always been a fan of Beasley's spacing around cat. Like that just makes sense. But that that's in the half court. But what we're seeing is. Beasley also provides another really dangerous threat when he's with that starting five group and they start running. You know, when you've got guys who can push the pace and transition and put pressure on the rim, it's just really hard to defensively account for the three-point specialist who's just kind of like sneaking down the sideline looking for a clean three-point look. 
That's what Beasley's done a lot of. I asked Finch about Beasley's fit with that group before tonight's game. Here's Finch. Uh, and out last game, we got to see uh, a little bit more Malik with the starting group there with uh, Vando, Papev, uh, Kat, and D'Lo. Just curious kind of uh, what, what you saw there, what, what Malik was able to give you as that fifth guy when that happens. Yeah, you know, we we debate a lot about whether we should start J- Jaden or Malik, and you know, a lot of it's matchup driven. Some of it's rhythm of the way that we're playing. That second unit has such a great rhythm right now. We don't really want to t- tinker with it too much, and Malik's been a beneficiary of that. But a little bit different in the second unit where we can use him as a point of gravity. Um, in the second unit, you know, he really creates space. Uh, most of his, sorry, in the first unit, he creates a, a lot of great of space for those guys. He, you know, he's he's much more of just a spot up shooter, um, where he's really really deadly. I mean, his on the move shooting is, uh, you know, like anything, it's a harder way to make a living. Um, but even though in the second unit we're able to do that and create a lot of good looks for him, it's I think the ball comes and finds him easier with that first unit. I thought that bit about considering Beasley as a starter rather than McDaniel's was interesting and probably a, a very relevant topic uh, for the coaches room and the p- fan base. If Edwards does end up resting frequently down the stretch of the season, I don't have any other details for you there, but specific to Beasley, I think it signals some intrigue of getting him more minutes around cat specifically. But I'd, I'd, I'd love to see the wolves one game, just punish a team for doubling cat in the post. And, and by doing that, by off ball while cat has the ball in the post running off ball screening actions for Beasley to free him up on the perimeter. I mean, we, we, we saw it again tonight with the thunder aggressively doubling cat. They're doing it from the baseline. So that leaves, you know, that leaves his right shoulder available for kind of that skip pass or, or looking for a cutter. And what has typically happened with cat in those situations is you, know, you get he basically finds the cutter or he just like has to kick it back out to reset things. They rarely get to the skip pass. They rarely punish double teams by making three point shots around cat when he has it in the post. And I I think it could, it could break the doubling defenses on cat. If you have Beasley effectively peeling off of the, from above the break on the opposite side to the top of the key. And if cats just targeting that, They've already dedicated two bodies to Cat, and now you've set a screen to free Beasley along the perimeter. I, mean, I think that could be dangerous. I, I know for me, these two games without Ant have served as a reminder of, of just how good of an offensive pairing Beasley is for Cat. And I think it's been I think it's been valuable to see some profit out of those minutes. I mean, given how teams guard Cat and the heavy game plan emphasis he will receive in the the playoffs from whoever they play. I mean, I think it is just going to end up being where this first round playoff series is going to just be a hell of a chess match between Finch and whoever they play. And I think Beasley could prove to be a very valuable chess piece to play if slash when opponents bog down on Cat and Vando with that lurking double team. Finch always says, we're trying to get teams to defend us honestly. Well, that just doesn't happen with Vando on the floor. It it won't happen with Vando on the floor in the playoffs. It's going to only become more pronounced, I think, in a playoff series. And if the Wolves playoff opponent punches first with that by ignoring Vanderbilt, trying to take away Towns, I think Beasley could be the counterpunch to try and 
balance the scales of defensive honesty. We're not, obviously, we're not in the playoffs yet. They haven't even made it yet. But Beasley is playing his best basketball of the season right now as the as the year winds down. And it's just a really encouraging development for this team. I mean, since the trade deadline, Beasley has made 26 of the 59 threes he's taken. That's 44%. It's kind of like the Wolves traded for a dead-eye shooter without actually trading anyone. Another example, we kind of talked about this with Torian Prince, about how standing pat at the deadline you know, can be proved to be the best move. The last thing I wanted to make sure to hit on from tonight's game was the Nas Reed and Jordan McLaughlin pairing. I mean, that duo has grown from being a cute little thing when the team was tanking two years ago into becoming like a legitimately effective two-man pairing off the bench. Those two shared the floor for 16 minutes tonight, and in those minutes that they played both out there, J-Mac and Nas, the Wolves outscored the Thunder by 28 points. When I played that clip earlier of Nas, he was talking about how the vets on the second unit communicate to him where to be defensively. And I think Jordan McLaughlin has that impact on Nas offensively and where in that J-Mac passes Nas to where he needs to be on offense. He puts Nas in places to succeed. Since February 1st, Nas and J-Mac have shared the floor for 156 minutes. And in that time, those two have shared the floor. The Wolves have an offensive rating of 123. For context, the best offense in the NBA this year is Utah, and they have an offensive rating of 117. But I think the most encouraging part of the Nas and J-Mac minutes here over the past five, six weeks has been, since that February 1st date, is that they've been holding it down defensively as well. In those 156 minutes since February 1st, with those two on the floor together, the Wolves have a defensive rating of 105. Again, for context, the best defense in the NBA this year is Boston, and they have a defensive rating of 106. And I know, obviously, those numbers are somewhat skewed by just blitzing OKC tonight, but this isn't a small sample size. I mean, this has become a trend. It's been 14 games since February 1st, and the Nas and J-Mac pairing has been good pretty much through all of that. I know we talked a lot about Nas today, but before we wrap, I, I, I thought this was a really cool answer from Chris Finch on Nas Reed after tonight's game. Chris, in your year you've been here now working with Nas Reed, what stood out most to you about his development? Um, yeah, just he's, he's, his confidence, you know, he's a confidence player. Um, when he has, has great confidence, he's got a great skill. So, uh, there's no reason he can't do the things that we see him do. Um, I, I, I said this before, I don't know where, but you know, one thing that's impressive with Nas is that he knows his role. Um, he plays behind an all, you know, an all-star center. It's going to put a cap on his ability to, you know, to be out there for more than, you know, maybe 12 minutes, maybe 15 minutes, like, but um, he's really kind of maximizing those opportunities. Uh, and he's, you know, he's at peace with it. And, and um, you know, and he's been, you know, I think too, like it, every time cat's been in foul trouble, he's really kind of played well in cat's absence. So he can play these extended stretches if we need him to. So that maturity, which, you know, when you're young and you're trying to prove yourself in the league is can sometimes you don't always see it. And, and that kind of thing can eat you up and you're not ready to play when it, when your times come and you spend half your time pouting and he's done none of that. The zoom kind of cut out there at the end, but what Finch closed there with is, is that he said Nas has done none of that pouting. And I, 
it'd be easy to pout. I mean, you you see it sometimes. You see the frustration when Nas comes to the bench after like a five minute shift because just because they want to get Cat back out there. But I I think it's a tempered sort of frustration. I I can kind of see it in front of where I sit at Wolves games. Um, I think it's a frustration, but Nas understands that this is his role, and it, it's a it is a tricky role, like Finch said, with playing behind an all star center, like the role behind cat is inherently a hard role to get a rhythm in. I remember Gorgie Jang talking about it when, when he was here in Minnesota, just about how you may feel like you're one of the better players on the team and that you deserve more minutes based on the idea that the other guys who are playing aren't as good as you, but you as Gorgie or as Nas, you understand you play the same position as cat who you obviously know you do not deserve minutes over. It's it's a tricky role. And just to kind of loop it back to the Nas free agency topic from before, like whatever does happen with him beyond this year, he's been a pretty cool development story. I mean, not certainly not perfect rebounding, still uh, an issue when say he's a lockdown defender, but in a period of, you know, these three years that, you know, this has been a good year, but broadly it's been a, a tough three seasons for this team. And I, I don't know, it's, it's a cool story for an undrafted guy uh, to be here. I think it's pretty impressive. Like you, you know, you, you hear or you, you see the occasional Fred Van Vliet story about an undrafted guy making it big, but obviously the far more common result is that undrafted guys never really get a chance. Like most fizzle and are overseas after a year or two, but Nas has proven to be in a tier above that like certainly nowhere nowhere near the Fred Van Vliet success story but you know maybe he's kind of moving in the direction of becoming a Lou Dort or Jayshon Tate type of player who you know was undrafted but ends up kind of making a lasting mark in the league as a role player I think that's what you're hoping for with Nas whether it's in Minnesota or elsewhere all right let's wrap tonight uh, with prize picks. I made five picks tonight, went three and two. I think this is the first time all season that I've taken the over on made free throws for D'Angelo Russell. But I did take that over of three and a half free throw makes tonight. And that's because we've seen D'Lo's appetite to attack the basket go way up since the All-Star break again and been successful when he gets to the basket. Again, D'Lo went three for four from two-point range tonight. He's now made 28 of his 41 two-point shots since the All-Star break, 68.3%. And with that two-point aggression, it comes getting to the free throw line. D'Lo got there five times, made all five of his free throws. So we got that over, even though D'Lo only played 25 minutes tonight in the blowout. Cat also only played 25 minutes. And I think because of that, I missed my over on three and a half assists for him. Cat finished with just three tonight. I also missed my Shea Gilgis Alexander pick. I took the under on 27 and a half points for SGA. He finished with 33 points in under... 30 minutes, the, the Wolves really had no one-on-one matchup answers for Shea. So that was one for three on my first three picks, but uh, Alexei Pokashevsky shaved the day, saved the day. Uh, I took I took the over on 11 and a half Poku points and the under on eight Poku rebounds. He finished with 12 points and only five rebounds. So we got both of those. Overall, that makes it three and two on the picks on the night, which puts me at 135, 111, and 10 on these picks for the year. If you're listening to this on Saturday, the Wolves play again tonight, and you can get in the mix on prize picks. If you don't yet have an account, 
PrizePix's daily fantasy site that will give you a $100 signup bonus when you create an account. If you use the promo code Dane, just my first name, at prizepix.com or the PrizePix app. Well, the Wolves are now 35 and 29, six games over 500 for the first time this season. And like we were saying, they got four easy ones coming up. Uh, unfortunately, as they've been winning, they are not getting any help from the teams around them in the standings. The Nuggets won again tonight against Houston, which was their eighth win in their last nine games. And both the Mavs and Clippers were off tonight, so neither of them caught a loss. The Wolves remain two and a half games behind the Nuggets for the sixth seed, and they are still three and a half games behind the Mavs for the five, which is kind of becoming a pipe dream now with only 18 games left in the season. And on the other side of the ledger, they are still one and a half games ahead of the Clippers, who have also won five games in a row. So to make this six seed thing happen, it is really feeling like the Wolves are going to have to go on a yeah, a real heater. And that starts that starts Saturday night against Portland. I will be back to talk to you after that one at Target Center. I will update whatever the landscape of this team looks like then. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.